the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him and follow His example as well-beloved children imitate their father. Children will imitate their parents, both by nature and by nurture. And you are well-beloved children, beloved of the Father. So how should you walk as children of, of the Father? Well, Ephesians 5.2 tells us, And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you, so that it became a sweet fragrance. In other words, exhibit the character of your Father. That is the imitation. What is the character of your Father? What is the character of God? Love. It's love. Walk in love. So who are you walking in? You're walking in Him. And what does it mean to walk in it? It means to express it. It means to take it from from knowledge to activity to expression to life. You know, existence is just being somewhere and taking air. Life is interacting. It's out there. It's walking. It's going. It's saying. It's thinking. It's moving. He says, live the life of your Father, which is love. Exhibit the character of your Father. In order to walk in love, you have to give yourself up. He said, just as Christ gave himself up, give yourself up as Christ did, so that you may be enabled through him to love and esteem your siblings in Christ. Because he's talking about the children of God. And the only way that you're going to be able to embrace them is to put yourself aside and allow the love of Christ, and by self I mean the flesh, self-centered preoccupation. That's what I'm talking about. Put it aside and embrace Him. Then Ephesians 5 verses 3 and 4 talks about some things that you should leave alone. They just don't suit you. But immorality, sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living or greediness must not even be named among you as is fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor coarse jesting which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. In other words, you are saints. Act like you are. 
Every expression of your life has purpose. Do you recognize that as a child of God? So let's let that expression be affirming to the truth of who you are. When you act in obedience, when you act as a, as a child of God, you affirm the truth in your soul. Not acting that way doesn't do anything to who you are, but it will bring you to a position of unbelief. It will continually war against the truth of who you really are to where you'll begin to believe that you are a person who lives on one foot in the world and one foot in godliness, that you are separated, that you are divided, that you have a duality, and that you have more affinity with with worldliness and sinfulness than you do with the very nature of Christ. And that is a lie. That is a lie. That's not a truth. And it's the reason people live in depression and distortion. It's a reason that we have confusion in our soul. Confusion is introduced by duality. We are not dual. We are singularly His. So act like saints. Let your expression be affirming to who you really are. And don't be identified with the world in your conversation or your behavior. Now in these verses we've been reading, we read that we are children of God and we need to behave and live as well-loved children. Well-beloved children. Now if you're unbelieving, you'll behave like a neglected child. Insecure, rebellious, unhappy, disheveled, despairing. These are all signs of a child that's not well cared for, isn't it? That's an unbelieving person. That's the truth of an unbelieving Christian as well. Christians who have not yet embraced the truth that they have a loving parent, that they are beloved of God. In fact, they don't believe that they're beloved of God. They believe that they are separated from God in their emotions. We've been told that we are saints, God's chosen people, consecrated. You know what consecrated means? We are God's consecrated people. The dictionary says, to make or declare sacred, set apart or dedicate to the service of a deity. To make something an object of honor or veneration, hallowed. To devote or dedicate to some purpose. You see, you have been declared sacred by Him, set apart and dedicated to His service. You have been made an object of honor, a vessel of honor. You have been dedicated to the singular purpose of living your life in union with Him. That's who you are. God says, you are mine, consecrated for me. Live it out. Don't give yourself over to these other things. They don't fit. Don't even try them on. So what fits us? Well, verse 4 says, Instead of those things, voice your thankfulness to God. We are suited for thanksgiving because that's who we are in Christ. Only the children of God are suited for thanksgiving because the children of God have the love of God illustrated for them in living. You have thanksgiving. You have reason for thanksgiving if your eyes and your focus are upon Him. If you are recognizing God in your daily living, then thanksgiving becomes a natural byproduct because you see Him in the activity of your life. You see Him in the upside. You see Him in the downside. You see Him in every circumstance of your life and what you don't see by sight you recognize by faith because he is there that's the walk of the child of God determined determined in your soul to see Christ in everything you choose that because if you don't choose to see him what are you choosing 
You're choosing to walk as if you were alienated from Him. As though God were not with you. As though He didn't love you. As though He didn't desire to be intimate with you. As though He didn't provide for you. As though there is no answer in Him for the circumstances that you're in at the moment. As though you are the one who makes it happen. It's all up to you to program life out and to make it successful. But the bottom line is, no matter how good it gets in your soul, apart from Christ, you will feel empty, it'll be a failure because that's not who you are that is not the truth of you, he says choose thanksgiving, in every opportunity, in every circumstance recognize the love and sovereignty of Father when we refuse to recognize him and will not offer thanksgiving it's because all we can see is our humanity and we grieve over its limitations or boast over its accomplishments isn't that the truth? God says, you are mine. Let your lives produce thanksgiving as you recognize my love about you. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, For all these things are taking place for your sake. He's Paul talking to the, to the Corinthians about his, his suffering. So that more, the more grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiplies to the many, the more thanksgiving may, may increase and redound to the glory of God. You see, as we live out the truth and we affirm the truth through thanksgiving, as we recognize Christ in our circumstances, then thanksgiving is the fruit of that and the people around us recognize that we're living in something other than our flesh. That there's something different about us. That there's something distinct. That we're held by something greater than our personalities. And the purpose in all of that is that more and more thanksgiving may increase. When we are determined to recognize God in every moment of our life, the fruit is thanksgiving. When we give testimony to the grace that has been extended to us as the children of God, we create thanksgiving. Grace is Jesus. Can you see Jesus? You know, you just say, well, I don't have anything to give thanks for. Can you see the grace of God and where you are right now? Can you see the grace of God that carried you, kept you? Can you see the grace of God that got you out of bed this morning? Can you see the grace of God that's delivered you from greater pain or from pain altogether? Can you see the grace of God that gave you your next breath? Can you see the grace of God that keeps your loved ones alive and safe? Can you see the grace of God that delivered you from sin that is saving you on a daily basis? Can you see the grace of God that enfolds you in His love and keeps you unto Himself regardless of your behavior? Can you see the grace of God that allows mercy and grace to to transcend the consequences of your own behavior? Can you see the grace of God that carries you moment by moment, day by day? You know why you can't? If you can't, you're blinded. And you know what's blinding you? You. Typically when we can't see the grace of God is because all we can see is our own misery, our own humanity, our own disappointments, our own expectations. It's important that we give thanks and voice the truth. Thanksgiving is giving voice to the truth of God. It's important to give voice of the truth of God over your marriage, over your life, over your job, over your children. When you, when you give thanksgiving to God, this is what you're doing. Do you know what the truth of thanksgiving is? It's real simple. 
You know, I remember at Thanksgiving dinners, usually somebody said, well, you just tell everybody what you're thankful for, and it requires, you have to sit there and think. And it's amazing to me, because I have to sit there and actually think about it. That, that's just crazy that I would have to think about that. I should, it, should be, it should roll off my tongue like this. But it, you know what Thanksgiving is? It's you in the middle of a circumstance. It's you in the middle of life. It's you right now looking at heaven and saying, You are God. I see you and you're wonderful. I see you, God, and you are wonderful. I see you in my fear. I see you in my pain. I see you at school. I see you in my job. I see you wherever I am. I see you, God, and you are wonderful. That's Thanksgiving. Because it's not based on where you're at. It's based on who He is. Can you give thanks? Oh, you can. You can. Now we move to verse 5. Paul starts this way. He says, For be sure of this, that no person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thought or in life or one who is covetous who has lustful desire for the property of others and is greedy for gain for he in effect is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God now I have heard more guilt and condemnation transferred by that single verse than most any in the Bible if there's ever a verse that gets preached in a way to make you doubt your salvation, that one does. But you cannot take the preceding verses where Paul so clearly declares who you are and what you are and believe those and regard this as some threat to your salvation. It is not. He is setting a contrast. I want you to look at this. Some of your translations will say, For this you know. The knowing that Paul is referring to is experiential. It's not just, it's not just uh, in his head. He says, for this you know experientially. Two ways they would know that. Because they had a history with Paul and his teachings. He taught them what the truth looks like. And, and he is seeking to illustrate that for them in this letter. And then secondly, the truth of this verse has been proven out in their own lives. There is now a difference in their appetites. So while they may participate in this behavior, it was no longer natural to them. And they discovered that truth, as no doubt many of you have. That there are certain behaviors that are just not natural to you. You literally, it literally takes an effort for you to put it on. You know why? Because that's not who you are. This is the life of the godless. This is their heart, whether you ever see it in their behavior or not. All it needs is an opportunity to express itself. But look at the wording in here. It says, one who is practicing, one who is covetous, for he is an idolater. This is not behavior. This is who he is. This is present tense. This is who he is. Why does he do these things? Because he's an idolater. He doesn't know God. He is who he is by birth. He has a whole different family than you do. He worships a creature rather than the Creator. And the verse here says, This person has no inheritance, no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Who normally inherits? The heir. The heir inherits. You have to be an heir, a child, a relative. That's who you are. You are an heir. Ephesians 2.19 
Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, immigrants, or migrants, uh, aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share the citizenship with saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God, God's own household. Ephesians 3.6 It is this, that the Gentiles are now to be fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body and joint partakers, sharing in the same divine promise in Christ through their acceptance of the glad tidings of the gospel. Just remember this. Remember that behavior does not change your relationship with God, Christian. Your relationship with God changes your behavior. That's why it's important for you to understand who you are and live out of that relationship because all the determination in the world will not change behavior. And here's the thing we know. You can take a tree and saw off its branches and some of its branches and what happens? It grows more, doesn't it? It grows more branches. The only way to stop that is to go to the root. God went to the root with you. He took the root out. You are a new creation in Christ. There is no root of sin in you. There is no root of sin in you. But if you continue to operate as though there is, you won't know the difference. You won't know the difference. We are God's own people, His children, and we can be sure of that. We can be sure that what he listed before is not the behavior of who we are. Paul is setting a contrast between the children of God and the children of the world. And Paul is going to keep driving this issue of identity home. Do you see that it's more important for you to know who you are as a Christian than it is for you to know all the Christian rules? Because you're going to behave out of who you are. You're going to behave out of who you believe yourself to be. You believe yourself to be alienated from God, you're going to behave that way. You, you believe yourself to be independent of God, you're going to behave that way. You believe yourself to be the answer, you're going to behave that way. And the relationship will become estranged for you. Now, God doesn't back away from you. I want you to understand that. All that I've been teaching you is that you are in union with Him. You are in fellowship with Him. You are united with Him. He is in you. You are in Him. You are not separated from God. You can't be separated from God. You will always have fellowship if you will repent and turn towards Him. There is fellowship there for you. He doesn't take His fellowship from you. You know what happens? We turn our back on him. That's it. But you know what? God doesn't go in the corner and pout. He stands there and waits. (laughs) He walks alongside of you. He enters everywhere you go because he is in your life. And he waits anxiously for you to recognize the truth in you so that you can enjoy life. So that you can enjoy him. We live out of what we believe about ourselves. If I can convince you that you were made for sin or life in this world, you will injure yourself over and over again looking to find life apart from Christ. If I could convince a thirsty man that salt water will quench his thirst, the deception will take life from him if he refuses the true water. And how are you defining life? What is life for you? If you Have you set a goal for yourself and said, this is life and I won't have life until this is attained? Is all your energy and mental focus going to what you think life is? 
Let me tell you something. You are bound for disappointment. There is only one source of life. He said, I am the way. That means you won't find life apart from Him. I am the truth. That means everything else is going to be a deception to you. And I am the life. There's only one life for us to live and it's in Him. So if you define life as anything other than Jesus, if the world has told you that life is anything other than Jesus and you bought into that, you're wrong. And you'll find out you're wrong. There's only one source of life and it's Him. And He gave His to you that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Move to Ephesians 5, 6. It says, Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. What sins? The ones that we talked about before. For through these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. Now Paul wrote these words in a present imperative, which, which means what he is saying is, Stop letting yourself be deceived. Stop letting yourself be deluded. Stop it. Now, the first words in the Amplified are let. Now, what does let mean to you? You have a choice. The lost man doesn't have any choice, but you have a choice. Stop. When he says, do not let, when he says, let no one delude you, that means you have a choice. You do not have to be deluded. I've heard people say, well, that poor guy, he's just deceived. You know, I just pray that God will break through that deception and let him, let him see the truth. He has seen the truth. He chose against the truth. And now he's deluded and deceived. But it won't be until he chooses to come to the end of the deception that he will see the truth again. Do you understand that? You're not deceived against your will. You're not trapped and tricked against your will. You have the living truth within you. You choose to be deceived because it fits and it looks like something you want for yourself. And you don't choose Jesus. You choose life with a little L somewhere else. So you're deceived. And here's the other side of it. You're disappointed. And you're constantly reaching for something you'll never get hold of. And you're constantly comparing the real world to the image that you've set up in your heart and your mind as to what life is supposed to look like. Let me tell you something. It never looks like it does in here. I'm telling you the truth. Did school look like it looked in here? Did marriage look like it looked in here? Did children look like it looked in here? Did the job look like it looked in here? It never does. But Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And He is truth and life. And we look at Him and we say, You know what? This other stuff is window dressing. Let me walk in Him. Let me walk into that job and see Jesus. Because, you know what? Every other expectation doesn't need it here. I'm just going to expect to see Him. How's that? Either by faith or by sight. I'm not going to expect that everything's going to be wonderful. I'm not going to expect that I'm going to be healthy until I die. I'm not going to expect that I'm going to make lots of money and have a retirement villa. I'm not going to expect all of these things. I am simply just going to expect the truth of my reward, the truth of what gives me life, the truth of what makes my life worthwhile. It's in Philippians 3.10 what I live for. I live to know Him. And the more I know Him, the more 
I want to know Him, to know Him more deeply, more intimately, passionately. That is the desire of my life. Can anything disappoint that desire, I ask you? Can anything take that desire from me? Can you keep that desire from being fulfilled in my life? No, you can't. No, you can't. Not life, nor death, nor things present, nor things beyond can take that away from me. It's His life. And I'm walking with Him. And I'm choosing to recognize Him. And I'm choosing to love Him. And I'm choosing thanksgiving. And I'm determining that my life is His. And I will not look for life in anything else. I know I've rummaged through every trash can between here and God knows where. Let no one delude you. You have a choice. Choose truth. Now Paul's saying, do not be deceived with the empty excuses and the groundless arguments for sin. And what he's saying is stop allowing yourself to accept, to be accepting of godless and worldly living and thinking. Stop behaving like you belong to a different family. We don't live in an age where somebody's going to try to convince you to attend an idol, an idol ritual in a temple of some sort. But we've listened to people argue that God's okay with abortion, that God's okay with homosexuality, that God's okay with you living together out of wedlock. Paul says don't partake of this deception. Of course, we've talked about this before, and here's the truth of it. If Jesus is the focus in your life, if living in intimacy with Him is your priority, if you are hungry and thirsty for Him, you don't even want to talk about those things. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.